given us through your son. I pray, Lord, that you will grant us to see and understand and to have faith in you, to trust you, Father, as we submit our lives to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Good morning, everybody. Um, good to see you here. The good news is spring is coming. Seasons change. Uh, I want to end off with overcoming the flesh. Um, some of you may say hallelujah. Um, I, 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 rem I was reminded when we ministered to students in Stellenbosch, especially during the 90s, we were often accused in Shofar uh, of brainwashing the students. And I could only say that is true. That is what we are doing. We are brainwashing. We are brainwashing. We are renewing the minds of young men and women to follow Jesus, to, to accept the word and to follow him. And, and so this morning, I am continuing to brainwash you. Um, we want to end over the series of walking in the spirit. And, and it's kind of a, 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 um, a culmination of all the steps that we have been speaking about overcoming the flesh that comes together in this one concept of walking in the spirit. Galatians 5 verse 16 to 25 puts it beautifully. It says, but I say walk by the spirit and you shall not gratify the desires of the flesh. And, and so if you've been, if this is your first time or you've been here before, a recap of what God has given us through salvation. We, we spoke about these various aspects of the fact that when we were still dead in our sins and our trespasses because of our sinful nature, this heart of stone that's in us that caused us to do sin, God did something powerful by sending his son not just to forgive our sins, which is a result of that sinful nature, Christ not only paid for our sins, that is the manifestation of the sinful nature, he also came to deal with this sinful nature by crucifying our old man with Christ so that the body of sin might be done away with. And then what he did so powerfully according to Ezekiel 36, it says, and I will give you a new heart and pour out a new spirit within you. And I'm going to take out the heart of stone. And that is so powerfully. And the reason for doing that, the reason for doing that is so that we will walk in his statues, keep his judgments and do it. Because while we were still controlled by the sinful nature, it was impossible to do the will of God. We end up doing the things that we didn't want to do. So God says, I'm going to make a new creation of you. I'm going to put in a new heart and I'm going to pour my spirit in you that will enable you to do the things that I desire for you to do. And so we see that now that we've been born again, we became a new creation and temptation is no longer from the inside because the sinful nature has been crucified with Christ. Temptation is now from the outside, but we still need to choose who we're going to obey. Are we going to obey the flesh or are we going to obey the spirit? And God gave us a new heart and a new spirit so that we will be able to obey him and his will and lead us to become more like Christ that will glorify him as we live our lives. 
And that's a summary of what we have been sharing. The law was powerless to do this. The law was powerless because of the sinful nature. It was powerless to change us. It could only tell us what is wrong and what is the righteous requirements of God and what it is to be holy and righteous. But it couldn't change us to become holy and righteous. It was powerless. And so God did it by sending his son to do what the law could not do. To take out that heart of stone. To take our sin, pay the price and give us new life. And we we spoke about that. The whole aspect of salvation, we spoke about grace, we spoke about understanding what God has done for us, faith in what he has done for us, renewing our minds, and today we're going to talk about walking by the Spirit. Now Galatians 5 continues, and we're going to read there from verse 16, it says, But I say then, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit, and the Spirit are against the flesh. These are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things that you want to do. So here already we see, again, the division between the flesh and the spirit. But if you are led by the spirit, you are not under the law. Now the works of the flesh are evident. The works of the flesh. They are evident. Immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. As I've warned you before, those who practice those things shall not enter the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, peace, joy, goodness, kindness, Patience, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such there is no law. And those who belong Christ have crucified the flesh with his passions and desires. If we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. That is a, it's a, it's a mouthful, but it summarizes so powerfully much of what we've been talking about the past week. This morning, I want to I focus on the four aspects of what we do in and through the Spirit. And here are the four things that we're going to talk about this morning. What it means to walk in the Spirit. What it means to be led by the Spirit. What it means to be, live by the Spirit. And what it means to crucify the flesh. These four things we're going to focus on this morning. Walking by the Spirit speaks about a lifestyle. Of following Jesus. That, that's what it, we used to walk in the ways and the lifestyle of the world. Then we came to repentance. And now we are walking in the spirit in a different direction. It is a lifestyle. It speaks also about the fact that we are led by the spirit. Which speaks about obedience. Obedience is central to our life in Christ. We are now led by the Spirit. In other words, He decides, He decides where I'm going. I no longer decide. So now I'm not just walking, I am led. I'm following the lead of someone else. And then it speaks about the fact that we are, 
to live in the Spirit, those who live in the Spirit, that, that really speaks about the fact that we have been saved. We should actually start there, and we're going to start there. The fact that we are saved, we are new creation. Therefore, we are led by the Spirit that leads us to walk in a particular way. And the reality is there's something that we need to do as we are born again, led by the Spirit and walk in Him. We need to crucify the flesh. And, so, and that means we need to put it to death. God is not going to do that for us. He wants us to do that. He has set us free from the power of sin and death so that we can kill this. But you and I need to do that. He's not going to do that. In his wisdom, he wants us to learn to overcome. Just like he called Israel into the promised land. He says, this is yours. But I want you to conquer it. I'm not going to take out the fortified cities. I'm not going to take out the giants. I want you to go and possess it. Overcome it. So firstly, let's go back to verse 25. If we live by the Spirit. Go one slide back. If we can go. If we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step of the Spirit. What does it mean to live by the Spirit? This is important for us to understand. Salvation gives us new life and we become a new creation through the power of the Holy Spirit. And so we are, we're dead in our trespasses, but now we are alive in Christ Jesus through the Spirit of God that lives in us. So now we live by the Spirit. Does it make sense to you? I want us to understand what Paul is writing to us. If you live by the Spirit, if you are saved, if you are born again, keep in step with Him. In other words, he's not just speaking about an event that took place, our salvation. He's talking about our lifestyle. He says, if you live by the Spirit, keep in step with Him. It's very important for us. The Holy Spirit is the guarantee of our salvation that we are now in Christ Jesus. It's very powerful. The day we get saved, we receive the Holy Spirit as a guarantee that we are born again and we are now in Christ. So we live in him and through him. He is the guarantee and that also very powerfully. We are now because we've accepted God's grace through Jesus Christ. We are no longer under the law. While we were still unredeemed. We were under the law but the law was powerless to change us. Now we are born again and we live because of Jesus Christ. And we're not under the law. We are now under his grace. Which is a, a massive difference. I will get to that. In other words, our salvation is not through the law, but it is through Jesus Christ. You see, the law said that you have to be perfect before you're accepted. So unless you're perfect, you will not be accepted. That's what the law said. God did in grace, sending his son to live as man a perfect life, being tempted in every way, and did everything that the law required for us. He fulfilled the law by living it perfectly. Then he died for all the things that we have done. And also, 
He was raised to new life by the Spirit of God to usher in a new way for us to follow. That we no longer have to live by the law. We can now live by the Spirit. The law of the Spirit. Now, the law said you must be perfect before you're accepted. Grace says, I accept you before you're perfect. That's the difference. The difference is, here you must be perfect to be accepted. Grace says, now Christ was perfect. Through faith in him, I accept you even though you're not perfect yet. But the goal of both of these is holiness. Do not be deceived. The aim of the law is to make us holy. The aim of grace is to make us holy. The difference is you're only accepted when you are perfect. Here it says I accept you as you are because of Jesus. Now live a holy life. That is the difference between being under law and under grace. God through his grace gave us Christ so that we can now be accepted through faith in him. But the aim of both, the law and the spirit, is holiness. The seal and the guarantee of that acceptance is the Holy Spirit. That is so powerful. It says, here you need to be perfect before you accept it. But now I give you grace that through faith in Christ and what he has done, you can be accepted. And the seal and the guarantee that you've been accepted is the Holy Spirit. You are now accepted. You are now mine. Now, now that you live because of the Spirit, keep in step with him. Because he's not going to lead you back to the world in sin. He's going to lead you to righteousness and holiness. And this is important for modern Christians to understand because there's a lot of deception around this. And I state it because I have to deal with many Christians in deception and I need to deal with pastors who teach deception. I've just recently spoke to a pastor that says, if you continue in adultery, it will not affect your salvation. It will only affect your life here. That's heresy. These are things that are taught by men. Pastors. This is not what the word teaches us. We have been given the Holy Spirit that leads us to holiness. Not to go back there. It's a radical change that takes place. Now with this in mind, I want us to read Romans chapter 8 and note the four aspects. To walk in him, to be led by him, to live in him, and to crucify the flesh. Those four things. Let's listen to Romans chapter 8 as we read together. It says, there is therefore no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. You are already accepted. If you accept Christ through faith, your sins are paid for, and you've become a new creation, and there's no more condemnation for your imperfection. Amen? You've been forgiven. You've been accepted as imperfect as you and I am. Yeah? There is therefore no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, who do not walk according to the flesh, but walk according to the Spirit. 
For the law of the spirit of life in Christ has made me free from the law of sin and death. For what the law could not do in that it was weak through the flesh, God did by sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh on account of sin. He condemned sin in the flesh that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us who do not walk according to the flesh but according to the spirit. For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh but those who live according to the spirit put their minds on the things of the spirit. For to be carnally minded is death but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Because the carnal mind is at enmity against God, for it is not subject to the law of God, nor indeed can it be so. So then those who are in the flesh cannot please God. But you are not in the flesh, but in the spirit, if indeed the spirit of God dwells in you. Now if anyone does not have the spirit of Christ, he is not his. And if the spirit is in you, the body is dead because of sin, but the spirit is alive because of righteousness. But if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead now dwells in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through the same spirit who dwells in you. Therefore, we are not debtors to live according to the flesh. Before, if you live according to the flesh you will die. But if you live according to the Spirit, you put to death the deeds of the flesh, you will live. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God. Amen? So what Paul makes very clear is now that we are saved by grace, we cannot continue in sin. Even though we're not under the law, judged by the law to be perfect before we accept it, now that we accept it, we should follow the Spirit. But we cannot go back there. Because if you do, you will die. And so powerfully, Paul puts a very clear picture before us. Now, if you have to combine these two scriptures in Galatians and Romans, it helps us to understand what it means to walk and live and keep in step with the Holy Spirit. And as I've mentioned, you are saved. And now we have life in the Holy Spirit. And we belong to God. And in this place, there's no condemnation. Amen? There's no condemnation if you're saved. But now if you live in Him, keep in step with Him. You don't have to be perfect to be accepted. Because you're no longer under the law but grace. But through faith. We now follow the Spirit. But we still need to live towards holiness. That has not changed. Our acceptance, however, is not in our perfection. It is in His perfection, not ours. But our aim and way of life is holiness. If we continue in the desires of the flesh, sin, if we continue in sin, we will die. That's what Paul says. You will not enter the kingdom of God. Some Christians still think they can continue to sin because God's grace have made them free from the law and he will forgive them anyway. It is a dangerous place to be. Some will continue to lie, to steal, to lust, commit sexual immorality, be drunk, swear, thinking, it is okay. 
I'm under grace. I'm no longer under the law. I'm going to be forgiven anyway. Paul makes it very clear. You cannot do this. Romans 6 put it this way. What shall we say? Shall we sin because we are not under the law but under grace? Certainly not. Do you not know that to whom you present yourselves to obey, you're the slave of the one you obey? Sin leading to death or obedience leading to righteousness. For many, obedience is a stumbling block. As if when we are now under grace, obedience is no longer a requirement. No, obedience is still part of life. Obedience to the Spirit. Galatians put it this way. But if you are led by the Spirit, if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. In other words, you will be judged for perfection. Because you are now led by the Spirit. In other words, you are now going to do that what God desires you to do because of the Holy Spirit in you. You don't need an external law to tell you what to do because I've given you a new heart and a new spirit that will cause you to keep my statues, to accept them and to do it. That's what God has done. That is part of his grace is to enable us to do what he wants us to because he's written his law on our Hearts now. It's no longer on an external thing. It's now internal. And now because of the spirit in us. Leading us. A mentor. A tutor. That says this is how you need to live now. We live it. Now the works of the flesh. Now listen to the opposite. Of where the spirit will lead us. The works of the flesh. Are evident those things sexual immorality impurity sensuality idolatry sorcery enmity strife jealousy fits of rages rivalries dissensions divisions envies drunkenness orgies and things like these i warn you as i've warned you before that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of god but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, goodness, kindness, gentleness, self-control. Against such there is no law. The law stated, all that list that we read, is what the law says you cannot do. That has not changed. The fruit of the Spirit is none of these things. It is what the law says we should do. And there's the big divide. It's no longer external but internal. But that's what it means to keep in step with the Spirit. If you keep, if you obey, if you are led by the flesh, you will do that list. If you are led by the flesh, that's what will happen. You will do these things. If you're led by the Spirit, you will do other things. <laughs> Does it make sense? Amen. The works of the flesh that are listed are the things the law says we cannot do. Even though we are not under the law, if you continue to do those things, you will not inherit the kingdom of God. Because what the flesh desires 
And where the flesh leads is opposite to where God leads through the Spirit. And therefore it says so powerfully, and those who belong to Christ, and we'll get to that, have crucified the flesh with its desires and passions. Galatians says, if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such there is no law. For those who belong to Christ have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. You see, so we are now still called to obedience. Whether you're under the law or under grace, we are still called to obedience. We are still called to holiness. It is from a different place. One from earning acceptance, the other one from being accepted already. That's the difference. The Holy Spirit does what the law could not do, however. Now that we have this new spirit in us, the law could not change us because of this. Because even though we tried, we failed. But now we have a new heart. And so the Holy Spirit enables us. He does not just lead us. He enables us to walk. And that's what it means to walk in the Spirit. The Holy Spirit enabled us to do the work of godliness, which is righteousness and holy. That's why verse 22 said, But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. So what does it mean to walk by the Spirit? Galatians 5.25 puts it this way. If you live by the Spirit, if you are saved, then keep in step with Him. He's going to lead us into righteousness and holiness. If you live by Him, keep in step with Him. How do we keep in step with Him? We have to be obedient to where He leads. He's going to lead us and we need to follow so those who are led by the spirit those who follow the spirit those who are obedient to the spirit these are the sons of god if somebody says i follow jesus and he does this he's not a child of god if somebody says i follow jesus and he does this these are the son of god don't be deceived In between the desires of the flesh and the desire of the spirit is our free will. And it's called obedience. What? That is what it means to be led by the spirit of God. I follow his leadership. I submit my desires to his. And the Holy Spirit empowers me to walk. And this is the, this is the freedom, the acceptance that we have, but also the freedom that he now works in us. But in the, the, the temptation and the working is my free will. You still need to decide. You need to decide. And this is the powerful thing. If I submit to the leading of the Holy Spirit. If I keep in step with him. He enables me to change. To become more like Jesus. 
If I choose not to, there is no power here. The power of the Holy Spirit is only in my obedience to Him. It's not in my disobedience to Him. So the more I am sensitive to what the Holy Spirit leads and I submit to Him, the more I am changed to become like Him. And there lies the challenge of some. The Holy Spirit empowers those who obey Him to change them to bear fruit. That's Romans 8 verse 11. But the Spirit of Him who raised Jesus from the dead now dwells in you. Now the Spirit who raised Him from the dead will give life to your mortal body who dwells in you. So in other words, He will enable me to do what I need to do. And there lies the challenge for some. Now that we are under grace, we still need to say no to the desire of the flesh. We still need to say no. The Holy Spirit does not take away temptation. It does not take it away. He took it out of us. But temptation comes from the outside. Now, the Holy Spirit will lead you, and you need to obey Him. As you obey Him, He will empower you to be able to walk in Him. But still you need to choose who you're going to obey. As a matter of fact, here's the challenge. It says we need to crucify the flesh with its passions and desires. You need to kill it. Holy Spirit's not going to do that. We need to crucify the flesh. It's a decision. Some people think the Holy Spirit is supernaturally going to take away all temptation. No. He wants us to overcome the flesh. And, and here he says, he says, don't shoot it in the head. I wish it was as simple as that. A quick death. Just one shot. No. He says, I want you to crucify it. Crucifixion is a long slow, painful process of death. It's not going to happen instantaneously. <laughs> it's it's going to be slow. It's going to be, temptation is going to come, and every time you're going to say no, and you're going to kill it. You're going to take every thought captive, bring it to obedience to Christ, and follow Him. But as you crucify the flesh, it will die. Over time. And it will become less and less a challenge to overcome. But it starts with you putting it to death. Romans 8 says, So then, brothers, we are debtors, not to the flesh, to live according to the flesh. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. For all who are led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God. And why that is important for us as Christians to remember is God says you cannot serve two masters. You cannot serve two masters. You've got to kill the one to be able to follow the other. And that is something that we do through a response of the Holy Spirit in us. We obey Him and we say no to the flesh. We need to put this to death to follow the other. This is a continuous process. 
when temptation comes. But once you've made the decision to put off the old self, to put on Christ and to follow the Spirit, He will enable you. And this is the point, what it really means to walk in the Spirit. He will enable you. Here, we try to do it in the strength of our flesh, our own ability, what we could do. This is where discipline is helpful, but have limited effect. If you struggle with lust, you can throw away your TV. It will be helpful. Just chuck the TV away, chuck the laptop away, go lock yourself up in a mountain cabin and live there forever. Nah? That's, that's trying to do it in your own strength. Nah? And, and, and these things are helpful. For some of you, maybe you should go live in the mountain for a month. Just, you know. But that will not deal with it. We cannot deal with it in our own strength. We need God's grace that enables us, that empowers us. Yeah? So, so the, a wonderful thing about grace is I'm not just accepted. As I'm obedient, He changes me to become more like Him. He is a power that, that is a person that has power to change me to become more like Him. So the more I'm obedient, the more I follow Him, the more He changes me. So it's not in my own strength, but in His strength that I am changed. So you have to abide in Him. You have to set your mind on Him. And you have to grow in Him to overcome the flesh. It doesn't come in a day. It's not a bullet to the head. It is a process of following Him. Now, crucifixion sounds like a very torturous, long process. It is. But there, in following the Holy Spirit, there is a relationship that becomes so uh, life-giving, so joyful, that it so far overshadows any cost in following Jesus. Because in following Him, we grow closer to Him. We become more like Him. And, 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 and He reveals more of Himself to us. And in this process of following Him, even though it might be painful, it leads to great peace and joy. And ultimately glory. That's why if you read Romans 8 later on, it says not only does the Spirit, uh, the guarantee, but also say that we are heirs and co-heirs with Christ, if indeed we suffer with Him, that we may also be glorified. That suffering, part of that suffering is saying no to the flesh. But in that process, in that process, He enables us to change. And then therefore... We can give honor to God for the change in me is not me, but him through me. So all the glory goes to God. And it's a joyous process of becoming more like him. Because the closer you become like to God, the closer you become to God in following the Holy Spirit, which leads us constantly closer to the Lord, the closer we come to him, that is where we find our peace and joy. You find peace and joy that you cannot find in this world. That surpasses everything that the world has to offer. That surpasses your mind and your understanding. That becomes more precious than anything the world can offer. So follow the Spirit and grow in that. How do we do that? First of all, we spend time in the Word. 
If you want to know the will of God, the desire of God, that leads to joy and peace and ultimately inheritance of eternal life, you have to spend time in the Word. You have to not just read it. You need to read it to understand it. Does it make sense? You need to read it to understand it because this is the desire and the will of God. The Holy Spirit, Jesus said, when He comes, He will bring to remembrance everything that I have taught you. So part of what the Holy Spirit does, He brings to remembrance the Word of God. The more you spend time in the Word, the more He brings remembrance of the Word to you in your everyday life. Remember, we now live by the Spirit. Now it says, keep in step with Him. Keep in step with Him. The amazing thing about the Holy Spirit, as you spend time in the Word and you go about your day, He brings to remembrance the things that you have read. And, and so he, ha- he leads us into his truth because we're constantly bombarded by the ways of the world. You put on the TV, you put on the radio, you walk down the streets, you are constantly bombarded by a way and this is a different way. So first of all, step one is spend time in the word. You don't need to read book at a time, just a chapter, even a paragraph. Just to understand it. And you need to ask God. You need to pray. You need to say, Holy Spirit, I want to know your ways. God, I want to know you more. I want to know your character and I want to know your ways. As I read, Lord, please open my eyes that I may see and understand. The Holy Spirit, when you ask and you pray, will bring revelation to you. As you do that. It is the Holy Spirit that opens up your eyes. Some people read this book and it means nothing to them. Because they don't have the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit will not just bring to remembrance, it will open your eyes of your understanding. It will give you a spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of Him. So as you read the Word, and this is where the next step comes. When you read the Word to understand what it means, you have to meditate upon it. In other words, when something stands out for you, think about it. Be quiet and meditate upon it. Now, Eastern meditation is you empty yourself from everything so that you connect with the nothingness. That's Eastern meditation. Um, You empty yourself of all your thoughts. Empty. So that I can connect with the big nothingness. Okay, I'm glad that works for you. Christian meditation is I fill myself with the knowledge of God to connect with God. And I have a relationship. (laughs) It gives me peace and joy. (laughs) Every time I connect with Him, peace and joy. (laughs) So you go on with your emptiness, I'll go with peace and joy. (laughs) With a relationship of a living being that loves me. No, no. So when I read the word, I take what I have discovered in it that stands out for me and I meditate upon it. I fill myself. I repeat it in my mind. For God so loved the world. And and you, You can go sit somewhere and just think about any verse that stands out for you. You don't need an hour. You need five minutes. Just take one scripture that stood out for you this morning. Write it down. And when you have a, we don't have smoke break anymore. Take a word break. 
and go smoke the word. No? For five minutes. Somewhere where nobody sees you because that's what you do when you take a smoke break. You go outside. No? You go outside in nature and you take, no, go outside, tell them you need a smoke break. You go out and say, what do you smoke? You say, I smoke the word. Then you go outside, you sit in nature, and you just think for five minutes, you just close your eyes. And that's why memorization or writing down, that's why memorizing scripture is so powerful, if you can do it. Because then I don't need to take the Bible with me. I can just sit there and I can just meditate upon it. Just that one verse. Repeat it in your mind over and over and over and ask the Lord, what does it mean? And see what the Holy Spirit reveals to you. The word becomes alive. Five minutes. Five minutes. Then you meditate. And so the Holy Spirit not just brings to remembrance, He actually gives us revelation. That becomes life. Yeah? And then we need to ask God. We need to pray. Say, Lord, help me understand this. But now that you've granted me revelation, Lord, help me to live it. Help me to live this. And so we need to pray. Part of keeping in step with the Holy Spirit is to pray, is to talk to Him. And say, Lord, this is amazing. What I found is if, if, if we study the Scripture to understand it, to meditate upon it, to gain understanding of it, it puts the focus not on me, but on Him. Otherwise, my prayer life is all about me. I need this, I need that. Help me with this, help me with that. But, but through spending time with God, the focus becomes God. And becomes liberating. Because God is so much bigger than all my problems. We can get so caught up in our circumstances. You know, and it's normal. David says, you know, I look up to the mountains. Where does my help come from? I mean, he's asking this because he needs help. And he's hopeless. Where? where? I mean, where shall my help come from? <sighs> my help comes from the maker of heaven and earth. What a revelation. Where did you get that, David? In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now, my help does not come from the government, from SARS, you know, from my uncle. It comes from the maker of heaven and earth. I mean, you can go meditate on that. I'm not going to go. Otherwise, that's another sermon. You can just go meditate. And then you ask God, the Holy Spirit, for obedience. Help me to obey this. Help me to apply this. And see how your life change. John 15, I'm going to end with this. I can't see that clock, so that's why I'm always late. John 15, verse 4 says, Abide in me, and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself. Love, joy, peace, goodness, kindness, gentleness, self We cannot do it in our own strength. It's part about the good news of the gospel of grace. He will do it in and through us. As you follow him. Abide in him. Abide in me and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine. Neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine. You are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit. For without me you can do nothing.
This makes Christianity a continual relationship of walking with God. Continual relationship. We become mature with time in this relationship. Yes. But we never become self-sufficient. Sin becomes a rare exception. <laughs> it's the process of sanctification. We become more like Jesus. And it becomes easier to say no. And, it, and, it, and sin becomes a rare exception in the otherwise holy life. But we are never self-sufficient. We're always dependent on this relationship with him. And, and, and so it continues until we see him. John 15 says the following, or Galatians 5, that's why Galatians 5, and that's what it means. If we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with Him. And that is how we overcome the flesh. Let us commit ourselves to abide in Him, to follow Him, and to keep in step with Him. And this will happen. John 15 continues to say, As the Father loved me, I have also loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love just as I kept my Father's commandments and abide in His love. These things I have spoken to you that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. If you follow this, His joy will be in you and your joy will be full. And the world is doing all these things because they think in it they will find joy. <laughs> you can't find joy in any of these things. It gives the perception of joy and pleasure. But it is fleeting. And it always leads to despair. But a relationship with the living God <laughs> leads to joy and fullness of joy. <laughs> Amen. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for giving us your son that we can be accepted not because we are perfect. We get accepted because you are perfect. Your son is perfect. He came to save us. And whosoever believes in him is redeemed, born again. Becomes a new creation. Accepted into your family. Receive your spirit. And belong to you. Thank you that we can live through the spirit. And have life. Eternal life through your grace. Lord we ask this morning. That you will help us. To keep in step with your spirit. Help us to follow you. God give us the grace. To say no to temptation. And to crucify the passions and desires that comes with it so that we can follow one master. Thank you that you've given us everything that we need for life and godliness. Thank you that you've already taken out the heart of stone and given us a heart of flesh and your spirit in us and the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead will give life to our mortal bodies to say no to the flesh and yes to you. Thank you that as we follow you, you by your grace changes us to become more like you and it leads us closer to you so that we may have joy and peace in you. God, I pray that you will help us to continue in this every day. Make us hungry and thirsty for more of you. In Jesus' name. I want to give you a moment just where you're seated.
just to respond to the Lord in your own words. Just to make a decision today. To start today. Not just to live in the Spirit. But to keep in step with Him. In your own words, just where you are, just speak to the Lord. you are here this morning and you feel you know you still have a heart of stone you haven't surrendered your life yet to the one who loves you the one who can save you and give you hope joy and peace if that is you this morning and you want to give your heart to him to ask him, Lord, take out this heart of stone and give me a heart of flesh. I need a savior. Please save me. If that is you this morning, I want you just to raise your hand high and say, Lord, here I am, save me. I need your salvation. Thank you. Is there anyone else? Father, I pray for the rest of us. Lord, that we will not just live by you, but keep in step with you. Grant us to hear your voice. Holy Spirit, as you speak to us continually, bringing to remembrance everything that you've taught us and showing us how to apply it in our everyday life. Grant us the faith and the trust to obey you as you lead us. And that your joy may be in us and our joy may be full in Jesus name Amen thank you for coming may God bless you and keep in step with him see you next week we'll preach on something else may God bless you <laughs> Praise me.